This is John with Skillet. You are listening to the Fandom Squad Podcast. You are now entering the Fandom Squad Podcast. Enjoy the madness. Hey everyone, this is going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad Podcast. My guest this week is the awesome lead singer of Skillet, Mr. John Cooper. How's it going, man? What is up? How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's an honor. Oh, it's so great to be here. And I'm, I'm glad we get to talk about some nerdy stuff at the end, I see. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I just uh, showed my girlfriend your picture where you did the Wolverine claws, and she was geeking out. <laughs> yeah, we got some we got some f- fellow uh, nerd go- stuff going on, so it's really cool to be here. I appreciate it a ton. Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, like I said, just uh, first thing I want to ask you: so, how did you uh, get into like just? Did you grow up listening just music or getting to be a musician and like? So how did you get into that? Were you inspired by like certain bands and stuff? Mm. I have a funny story. Uh, but basically, uh, my mom was a piano teacher and a voice teacher and a flute teacher. I am proud to say I never played the flute. I'm not a flautist, <laughs> but, but my mom was, I mean, uh, church music, classical music. My mom was always singing opera around the house. So I kind of grew up in this very musical environment, right? But when I was about five years old, maybe six, I had gone to my my best friend's house and he was like, hey, have you seen um, a Michael Jackson uh, beat it? And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and so he's, he's like, it's on MTV. And I was like, what's MTV? And of course, I'm sure there are people watching this podcast that are unaware that MTV used to play only music videos. Okay. Yes. Nothing but music videos <laughs> back when it was awesome. And so he, he turns on the MTV and sure enough, before too long, Michael Jackson beat it comes on. And, and so uh, long story short, I came home. I was just like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. And I come, I come home. I'm like, mom, I heard this song and I start singing it to my mom and my mom, I'm telling you, gave me, the holiest butt whipping of all time for singing the devil's music. And so <laughs> th- that that ought to give people an idea of the house I grew up in. I mean, I couldn't wear black, couldn't, you know, I always wanted a mullet when I was growing up because it was the 80s and the, you know, MacGyver and mullets were really, but long hair was evil. Rock and roll was evil. Michael Jackson was evil. Drums were evil. Guitars were the worst thing ever. And so I kind of grew up in that sort of house. And it wasn't until I was probably in sixth grade. I mean, also remember, it's the 80s. Metal was everywhere. It was glorious. Yes. <laughs> it's not like now. It's not like not like now you go to the mall and all you hear is like, you know, pop or, or hip hop or something. And and I'm not hating, but it used to be that you would go to the mall and you'd hear Bon Jovi. And, yes. and when I was in eighth grade, they would even play uh, one by Metallica. That became a big song. I mean, it's crazy to think that those kind of songs during the 80s and 90s used to be on pop format radio. You'd hear Motley Crue and Guns N' Roses on pop radio. So even though I wasn't allowed to listen to, to rock at home, you couldn't escape metal. And it just got it got in me. It made me feel good. It made me uh 
I got in, I was very into sports. So, you know, in the gym, you always have Metallica and ACDC. It makes you want to work harder. You know, it's just, that's what rock and roll does. Yes. I had that same thing. My grandma was very much like I was into the rock. She's like, I want you to get you some Christmas music. You have such a a great, beautiful voice and you're a singer. And she uh, went to the record store because, you know, like ACDC and stuff my dad grew up on and showed me and they're like, oh, if he likes this, they handed her the monster CD and uh, Switchfoot. And they're like, I think he'll like these two bands. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good because Switchfoot is, is fantastic. But, but here's the difference. My parents thought that Christian rock music was even worse than rock music. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, because they, they were like, they're even worse because they're wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, they're acting like they're spiritual but they're still leading people to Satan, but in the name of Christ. So they're worse. So Christian music was like off the table. So <laughs> your grandmother had one up on, on, on my mom. <laughs> yes, it's, it's the same thing with the Guns N' Roses. I was in the choir and I was getting vocal lessons. And he's like, so what is your one from your vocals? And I was like, can you give me, I want to do like Axl Rose where I can go super high or super low. <laughs> and he was like, he's like, I can help you with that. <laughs> oh man. I mean, right. I wanted to be, um, so you, you liked Axl Rose. I liked um, Sebastian Bach from Skid Row. Yes. Was my, I, my number one favorite, still one of my favorite singers of all time. And I wanted to be Sebastian. I mean, and I hated my voice because I couldn't sing. I can't sing high like that. And I was like, I'll never be able to be a singer because, um, you know, after puberty, I, I couldn't hit any of those notes. And I was rescued by Pearl Jam and Nirvana. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they changed they changed the they changed the narrative. All of a sudden you didn't have to sing really high because a lot of people don't know. I mean, even Metallica, like I don't think of uh, I don't think of like. Uh, Metallica is singing really high like Guns N' Roses would, but but in reality, they are. They're singing really, really high. Pearl Jam, Nirvana, SDP, they changed the game and uh, made it possible for somebody like me to play rock music. Thanks, Eddie Vedder. Yes, and I think <laughs> Foo Fighters, had, I think Dave took that same thing with that. Yeah. He doesn't do the high, he kind of, this that mellow, it's that and I know you said in interviews before, like somebody's like, wait, you just sound like you're screaming into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny how these trends go. Sometimes you can, you can tell when a song came out based on the octave the singer is singing in <laughs> because it, cause it, it had this thing. And, and then it, it, in the late eighties, it just kept going up and up and up and up. It was almost it became kind of almost comical, you know, like Steelheart and Oh uh, yes. You know, I mean I even like it. It just kind of became like how much slaughter. Remember slaughter? It's like yes. how much fire can these people sing? And and then it shifted. So anyway, music kind of kind of goes like that. So I just always find I just try to do what I do well. I hope people like it. <laughs> and thankfully <laughs> Your grandmother forced skillet onto you, and I'm just very appreciative. You tell her I said thank you. I'm appreciative. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. She, like I said, she was like, I, I, I want you to get into Christian music because I know you like this stuff, and it was, it was great. And uh, rest her, she, she passed in 2014, so I have to uh, thank her for that. So she's in heaven with the, you know, right now. So good. That's. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, it was it was one though. She it was it was a uh, she passed of cancer, but it was once we sung her 
she was the person that I would be close to what we would call a saint. So she had a good praising off. There was a spiritual moment when we let her go. And it was, it's why I have such a strong faith because I was in the room and it's just hmm. felt Jesus in the room. <laughs> right. I know what you mean. It's, it's funny. That's wonderful that you can have that sort of sending off, if you will. I think, I think that's how you said it. I kind of like that actually, but oh yeah, it's wonderful. You know, we got to count whatever blessings we have, we have to count. And then that's a blessing as opposed to it going very poorly. So good. I'm glad to hear that. Oh yeah. It was one of those, my, my knees, we were like, we were trying to sing. She said, why don't we sing? And her favorite song was our rise by Chris Tomlin. And we just all started singing. It just had this moment and chills and so to this day i'm like i can't i can't hear that song without thinking of that moment <laughs> right yes mm. so for you and speaking to the, like the different genres and stuff how is that for you being like you know you preach with skillet you guys preach this message i know you guys are not like you're a christian band but i know you're not like christian rock you're in like the rock genre how is that for you guys like preaching the message that you preach in a in a genre slash industry that you know that's a lot like sex, drugs, and rock and roll, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, it is kind of it is kind of unusual, I guess, because you know most people, um, and I understand this. I'm the same way, but most people want to put uh, boxes. You know, so what kind of band are you? I'm a rock band. I'm a Christian rock band. I'm a Christian metal band. I'm a hardcore band. We have all these things, and I've always told people, hey, I'm un unflinchingly and unapologetically a Christian. And so sometimes people say they're a Christian rock band, but we do play just in the rock genre, you know, with with Korn and whoever, Slipknot, Avenged Sevenfold, and all these awesome, wonderful bands. So the way that I deal with it, to be honest, I just always try to be as genuine as I can. Um, so like we're doing this interview together, having fun. And if you and I were best friends, you would be like, I'm acting just like I always act. You know, I'm just yes. myself, uh, whether I'm doing an interview for any format, any concert, anywhere across the world. I just found that that fans want to see something authentic. They They can always sniff out when you're being a fake, you know, and when you're trying to fit into something because you think it's cool people don't really dig that. And so I've just tried to be myself. And when I do that, I do share about my faith. I, I talk about my faith in Jesus. Um, but I always try to do it in a way that where people understand that I understand that whoever I'm talking to, you might not agree with me. And that's a hundred percent fine with me. I would still like to be friends or have a coffee. And I don't mind hearing your point of view. And if I disagree with it, it's not going to offend me. I'm just kind of easy like that. And I think that that comes across in our music live when I do interviews. I am passionate about what I believe, of course, but I think it just comes with a little bit of a, uh, an understanding that we're all going to have things we disagree on and we really desperately need a world more than I, more than any other time in my lifetime. We need a world where people can say, Hey, I really disagree with that 100%, but that's cool. Man, we need that right now, don't we? <laughs> yes, it, it's the same concept. Like I, I tell people, they're like, wait, how can you be into this geeky pop culture stuff? If if you're a Christian, how can you like watch these alien shows? And I'm like, 
I believe I'm like, I feel you can still be a Christian and, you know, enjoy things in pop culture. You know, you can have those two things just like you can play rock music that sounds like quote unquote devil music and still sing about Jesus. <laughs> right. It's funny. Well, you're touching on something that's kind of important, which is actually a very deep theological concept, which would just be and not to I won't get too into it because maybe people will get bored. I think it's kind of <laughs> cool, which is that. You can take the best thing in life, like, like for instance, I have two kids. I love being a dad. It's so wonderful, a huge blessing. It's a godly thing to be a father, but you can take even the best gift and you can turn it into an idol. You can love it too much. You can love, I can love my kids more than I love Christ. I can think about what my kids need all the time rather than thinking of what God wants me to do. There's all sorts of ways that you can turn a good gift from God into an idolatrous sin, you know, so it's an issue of the heart. At the same time, there are things in this world like rock and roll and Spider-Man comics and Star Wars that uh, they're not they're not inherently good. They're not inherently evil. It's art. It's film. It's it's things. And, and, And there's this theological concept that if it's in its place. And, and you're enjoying the art for what it is, and you're not sinning, of course, then we are free to, to enjoy the things of this world as long as it's not in the category of, of sinful. And otherwise, everything, has, everything could be an idol. Everything could take the place of Christ in our hearts. And so it's really an issue of the heart. And it just gives us, uh, it gives us more appreciation of how good God is that he gives us these gifts to enjoy, even though we're in this fallen world, there's so much pain. There's so much heartache happening, depression. I'm sure you've seen, read all the same things I have, about depression and suicide rates, especially amongst young oh, yeah. girls. I mean, there's so much going on, but God gives us these good gifts to enjoy and they are good as long as they're in their proper place. Oh, yeah. And it goes to a philosophy like that. My grandma used to always say, like when some people like pray for me and all that. And she's like, yes, I say pray for the the doctors. But she's like, you also have to say Jesus gave these doctors the knowledge. You just can't pray to let these doctors work on you because, you know, Jesus gave them the knowledge to heal you in, you know, in that profession. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Sorry for a second. I didn't. But I know what you mean. Yeah. That, you know, I think keeping everything in its perspective under uh, the Lordship of Christ, keeping everything in its perspective is, is, in my view, that is the key to life. That is the answer to, to enjoying life and being fulfilled and being a person of joy. And I would say that because if people listening haven't read the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible, that's what the book of Ecclesiastes is about, basically, is that, uh, yeah, all this to say, at the end of the day, this is God's world. This is God's plan. It's all about him. And we need to fit in to our role on this earth to see him glorified. And when you do that, I don't know, you just you feel fulfilled because you're you're where you're supposed to be. And that's a good thing. Yes. Now, tying that all together, because I know you talk about the stuff on your podcast, Cooper Stuff and with that is same with your testimony. I kind of realized two of my questions together with your, your book and your testimony and the Cooper stuff, how is that all together? And like the, how did that come about? Sure. Sure. 
Yeah, I used to not be so vocal about lot, lots of culture issues, you know, social issues, because truthfully, I just wanted to make awesome music. <laughs> I wanted to make, you know, great music, I hoped, and I want to sing about what I want to sing about. I've always been vocal about Jesus, but I wasn't going into like what I would call controversial topics. Jesus can be controversial for some people, but I'm like, hey, if you don't dig it, don't listen. But I wasn't getting into social issues. I think the reason that changed for me, I think, was because the chaos of the times. It, the chaos of the times in the last five or six years has gotten so crazy. And so many people are so confused and they really don't know. They don't really know how to live. They genuinely want to. They want to do what's right, but they don't know how. And I just felt like, you know what? I'm at a place in my life. Um, I'm 46 years old now. I'm at a place in my life where I feel like I do have some of these answers. They're, they're, they're rooted in the Bible. I've learned them. I've, I've lived the life. I've done the stuff and I've learned lessons. I could really help a lot of people out. It just means that I'm going to jump into controversial topics. I don't want to jump into controversial topics, but you have to if you want to help people through the times. That's why I started doing Cooper stuff. That's why I wrote my book. If people are interested in the book, go to my website, johnlcooper.com. Yeah, and I, I I got into a lot, not just you know, prep for the interview, but like I've been looking because I work night shift and I don't get to go to church a lot, like go to the physical building. So like I kind of like they're like, you know, weekly devotions. And I'm like, OK, here's my little sermon with John. So I kind of <laughs> took it that way as well. Well, I know what you mean. I mean, I will say that the, the Bible is, um, excuse me, not the Bible. <laughs> my, my book is not the Bible, excuse me. Um, the, my book tries to give very, very biblical worldview, uh, very biblical answers. I hope in a simple way to where people aren't reading it late and they feel like they're in some sort of like, you know, Bible school and they're like, I can't understand this. It's not like that. I tried to do it in a way that that uh, my teenage kids can understand it. They can read it and say, yes, I know what you mean, because really the Bible is a book. I mean, it is deep. It is complex, but it's meant to be written for ordinary, average people, not you don't have to, to go to college to read the Bible and understand aspects of it. You know, it, it's just not just for smart people. It's not for rich people. It's not for elites. It is for everybody. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing about the Bible. Yes, awesome. I, and I agree. It's the same way, like, and I can tell that, you know, that you work with youth groups and stuff from, you know, hearing your messages. I'm like, okay, it's a simple breakdown. Because I'm not really, like, big on politics and the way you break it down. I'm like, okay, I get this in a simple way without all the big words that I don't understand. <laughs> right. I know exactly what you mean. H half of the confusion of those things, when you listen to this stuff, half the confusion is just because they're using a really big, a big word or it's just a foreign word you've never heard of and and the truth is is once you know the words it makes it a lot easier to teach it but most people yes. don't know what it means and so i just try to say hey if we're talking today about um you know humanism i'll just say here's what humanism means when people say the word that's all that they mean and or collectivism that's what they mean totalitarianism this is what it means and then you can begin to work through the issues of the day a little better. Yes, yes, yes. 
It's that same, like, it's like that same, like, you know, a lot of people don't know what filibuster means. And you're like, yeah. that's used a lot. What is that? Especially like my generation, like being like in my, you know, mid 20, you know, late 20s, early 30s, like, we're like, what are these words? Like, we didn't know these in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it's, I know. It's so, and people on uh, politics, you know, they, they get used to talking to only people who also love politics. So they assume that everybody knows all the stuff we're talking about. It would be the same way in, in fandom uh, because um, my son, so my son is now 16, but he's been into Marvel and Star Wars since since he was three, right? Yes. And so my son sits around reading Marvel stuff all the time and he will use, he'll, he'll, he'll use words that only people that love the fandom know in conversations with like my friends. So in other words, <laughs> in other words, he'll be talking to somebody that's 35 or 40 years old and, and my son will be like, well, yeah, it's like that in the alternate universe, but not in the MCU. And my, my friends are looking at me like, what is MCU? And I'm like, it's Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. So, and my son is like, how can anybody not know what the MCU is? <laughs> <laughs> so I say, son, there are sinners out there who don't love Marvel the way they should. It's okay. <laughs> yes. Not everyone is, has, you know, sort of the, the Stan Lee disciple. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like, uh, one thing too, like with the new album, uh, thank you so much. I'm glad that your team let me, you know, get a sneak preview of that, which is awesome. As a fan, I get felt awesome getting a sneak preview of the whole album. I'm like, Ooh, I feel special. <laughs> Good. You are special. Good. Thank you. Thank you. So how was that creating this album? Did you have like a concept for, or a message that you wrote for the album or is it just kind of a wrote cool songs and kind of compiled it together? It was more like the latter and emphasis on cool. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, uh, we did not set out with, with like an idea or a concept. It was actually, sometimes we do. It was very different. These songs just started like coming out of us really. It was like so fast. And I think it's interesting because truthfully, I wasn't planning on recording an album. You know, business wise, there's that thing in your mind that's like, do you really want to release a record in the middle of a pandemic? I mean, maybe that's a bad, not a good idea because you can't tour it or, or you're not guaranteed to tour it. You don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. The economy could collapse. No one has any money. No one's going to go buy an album. But honestly, I just felt like these songs were just shooting out of us. And I realized I had so much in my heart that I wanted to say, because when you do look at the album as a as a whole, it, there are themes running through the record, certainly. And it does seem like there was this theme, but it wasn't like that. That's just what we were writing about. So there's themes on the record that people will undoubtedly hear, not being afraid. I mean, I look around at what's happening with people that I know, this just pandemic of fear. I mean, I think it's worse than the actual pandemic. Living their lives yes. absolutely frightened to death of what may happen and it has locked them up. I know people personally who have fallen back into various addictions that they had been rid of for five or 10 years, alcohol, you know, 10 years clean and sober, but halfway through the pandemic, they just got so depressed. They fell back into alcoholism, you know? And so fighting that fear is a major message of this record. I think that's why the record feels so positive. 
I mean, this record will make you feel jacked up, like you are ready to face the world. And to me, that's what a great rock album does. So I hope that it does that for everybody listening. Oh, yeah. Just from the the ones I've heard, like, I'm like, ooh, I like this. This is just, I was in my, just sitting in my bed. I'm like, I just want to get up and just, you know, put my hands up and just rock out, you know, air <laughs> guitar. <laughs> Good. And that's another thing I wanted to ask you too, it just kind of with that, that I forgot to list on the questions uh, that I'm just curious about because my girlfriend also plays music. How is it having your spouse, you know, as a member of the band and like you guys playing together in a band? Cause mm. I know we all know the rumors of stuff like, you know, Fleetwood Mac, how that stuff happens. <laughs> and so how is that having your, your spouse in the band with you? Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, I, I mean, I meet people every week on the road. They go, I could never, I could never be in a band with my spouse, you know, or or work with my spouse, they say. I've heard that from men and women, by the way. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it definitely has its challenges. You know, I think the hardest part ha- is the, the co- you're living together all the time on a little bus, you know, and so there's no space. And, and we al- we also raise our kids also on that little bus. <laughs> so you had babies crying and, you know, night feed, night feedings. And, and it was just really hard. It was very difficult. I think that Corey and I work well together, probably because we both are passionate about why we do this. We both have, I mean, I'm telling you, man, no matter how bad your day is going and skill it, when you meet a fan and somebody says to you, I, I need to tell you my story, John. Um, you know, I was addicted to meth and I, my wife took my kid and left me and that's, and I heard your song on the radio and that is when I realized I needed to get my life straight and I checked myself into a rehab facility and now it's been five years. I've been clean and sober for five years. My wife and my kid came back to me. You know, they have these stories all because of a song that we wrote, which I find almost impossible to believe, but it's real. It just makes all of it worth it. It makes all the fighting worth it or all the just not fighting, just the the daily stuff you have you go through with a spouse, the daily yes. annoyances and idiosyncrasies and night feedings and blown tires and the bus. It makes all of it worth it. Because music, whether people are religious or not, music helps people through hard times. And I think everybody relates to that. Yes, awesome, awesome. Like I said, I'm glad. Thank you for that perspective because I've always wanted that. And the same with the the song too. Like I was in a state of you know falling back a little bit, and then I heard your song "Stars." I've heard the hard stuff, and then I heard that, and I didn't realize it was you guys. And then I heard "Stars," and I was like, "Wow!" It just till now that song just gave me chills every time I hear Ooh. it, even the the acoustic and the regular. So it's just I, like I said, your song brought me back. Like I was in the youth, and then I you know got out of high school and kind of, you know, explored things a little bit and kind of, I was in the faith, but I kind of had, you know, wasn't as strong in my faith. And then I just heard my sister was like, I want you to get back into church. And she, she's like, I know Skillet's one of your favorite bands. Listen to the song. I just, I it put on my heart for you to hear this. And mm. it just gave me chills and got me back on the path. Oh, that's amazing. See, now I can go and have a fight with my wife and I know it's going to be okay. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm just joking. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with me so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for, you know, making the music that you do and just 
like I said, it's just an honor to have you, just being a fan and just getting to talk to you. And uh, let's see, um, just make sure we got enough questions at the time. <laughs> uh, we'll get into the, let's see, we'll get into the geeky stuff at this point. So what would you say your, I'll give you an easy top three fandoms and two honorable mentions. <laughs> uh, I love it. Well, you know what? I should show you this. Hold on. Check it out. Let me, let me move. Look at that. Oh, that is amazing. That, that's uh that's who's always doing interviews with me. Every time I do an interview, Spider-Man's here with me. Um, I love Spider-Man. Um, I would say my number one fandom, it's between Star Wars, only the original three, and Rogue One. Um, yes. <laughs> and, um, and, 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 and Marvel. Uh, I loved... I loved the the Marvel Universe films, you know, ending with Avengers um, Endgame. I, I, I love those Avengers films, man. So I, I would say number one fandom is going to be Star Wars, the original. Darth Vader's my number one favorite villain of all time. Number two is going to be Spider-Man. And uh, I've got a lot of fandoms. I love science fiction as well. I've got toy collections, you know, and and collectors. Batman would probably be number three. Awesome. awesome oh, on, honorable awesome. mentions. I'm sorry. Honorable mentions. <laughs> it's, it's so hard. I, I wonder if I could just put Marvel as its own category because I love X-Men. I love Wolverine. Oh, I'll give you that. <laughs> okay, good. Colossus and, um, and all that. But I also, I'm a huge fan of uh, Battlestar Galactica as well. And oh, uh, awesome. yeah, I love Battlestar and I basically like almost anything science fiction, Terminator, <laughs> all that. Now stuff. with that science fiction thing, I don't know if you've ever heard of the group Star Set. Have yep. you ever, have you guys thought about doing sort of a sci-fi sort of rock album kind of thing? Sort of like <laughs> that. Cause I know they do that kind of sci-fi techno-y. Yeah, I know there's do. a, there's the Tiger Beat version of, um, I forget the name of the song. Uh, there's the the mix of one of you guys' songs that uh, you did, and I was like, I like that, and it has that sort of feel. Have you thought about doing sort of a sci-fi take on an Full album? Sci-fi, <laughs> probably not really. Some of our earlier stuff had that vibe though, because it was late '90s, and you know, if you remember, late '90s, it was a lot of industrial rock, um, Rob Zombie, and and um, the, the film, The Matrix, came out in the late 90s. Yes. So Manson, and there was a lot of, like, techno rock. And some of our early stuff was was quite industrial techno rock, and people used to say that we dressed like we were in The Matrix, you know, on, like, our album Invincible, it was called, back then. So, um, you know, a little bit of that, but not quite to, to, to the degree of, of Star Set, certainly, even though they're friends of ours and we played together. Uh, but, no, we would probably wouldn't go that far. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I've seen pictures where you guys had, you know, the 90s spiky hair with the silver outfits. Oh, yeah. I had, <laughs> I had blonde spiky hair, no beard, of course. And uh, yeah, 90s was a good time for music. Yes, yes. Now, that's another thing I wanted to talk about uh, with, you know, we were talking about mental health earlier. That's a big thing I progressed here on the show is mental health awareness. How was that for you as, you know, being a performer, you know, going from, you know, playing in the choir to being in this band that, you know, influences so many people with the message that you give out. 
how is that, you know, how do you cope with that being a performer? Mm. Yeah, that doesn't really affect me much. I mean, I like performing um, and I'm and I'm I'm an extrovert. Some some performers are naturally just introverted. You know, a lot of artists are introverted, which is probably why they make good art, you know. Uh, yes. But a lot of lead singers can tend to be extrovert. You know, we like being on the microphone. We like being the center of attention, I guess, naturally speaking. But I do I do sing a lot about mental health uh, to people who have suicidal thoughts, a cutting, self-harm, depression. We've always been very vocal about those things because even though I'm an extrovert, and I enjoy people and I enjoy life or whatever. I've had some very dark times in my life. Um, and I know what it's like to be so angry and so full of rage that I wanted to hurt someone else, to be frank. And the reason I talk about those things is because I, I want people to know that I understand what they're going through. And my testimony is that because of the power of Jesus in my life, he, he changed my heart to such a, a degree that the people that I used to want to hurt, that I, I'm not even mad at them anymore. And I haven't been for decades. I don't have to keep forgiving them over and over and over anymore. God did a work, a, a really a miracle in my life. And I find that when I stay close to God and I read my Bible and I pray, I find that the it's even hard to remember that I used to be like that. I want to tell people that I want them to know that I understand what they're going through, but I know if God can do it for me, that he could do it for you as well. So I sing about those things. I feel very passionate about helping people through those kinds of issues. Oh yeah. And that's one reason like my grandma wanted me to get into you know that type of stuff because I was going through, I'm a self-harmer myself, past self-harmer. And I, when I was in high school, that, I had a lot of those issues and I still struggle with some of those today. And the, the, like I always recommend your, you guys songs, American noise, because that's, I, I know from the, I guess from the music video, I guess that's what the message was from that song. And I always recommend that when, you know, if somebody's feeling down or something, I always recommend that song. And I can hear your pain in the song from somebody, you know, who's experienced. I can hear that coming through in your lyrics. Uh, yes. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thanks again so much. Oh, I've had a great time. Thank you. <laughs> thank so you. Much. Uh, the last thing I just wanted to, what is a message? I know we talked a lot about different things. What is the the message, either spiritual or non-spiritual, that you just want to leave the the audience? Because I know a lot of my audience, some of them are Christian, some of them are not. What is a message that you just want to leave with the audience that just advice or anything? Sure, sure. I probably would just say this. So uh, our new record comes out January 14. It's called Dominion. And whether you're a religious person, not a religious person, maybe you're somewhere in the middle, maybe you're trying things out, whatever your situation is, whoever you are, you will relate to this album because it's talking about the fact that we are in the middle of a struggle. It is hard. It is depressing. It is isolating. It is dark. People feel hopeless. People feel helpless because we don't know how long it's going to take. But this record doesn't just talk about that struggle. It talks about the victory. It talks about the hope. And as, as, as you just heard a little while ago, when you listen to this music, it's going to make you feel like you can take on the world because it's, it's uplifting. It's saying 
basically, yes, you're in the middle of the struggle, but you are going to come out victorious. So I hope that people, no matter who you are, what you believe, I hope that you listen to the album. I hope that it gives you strength. If you're like, I don't want to buy it, go to YouTube, watch the video for Surviving the Game or Standing in the Storm. And if you like it, listen to the album, go to Spotify or iTunes or whatever, and do me a favor. Make sure you tell somebody about it because we need all the word of mouth we can get. But I think that it's going to help people through bad days. It's going to help them in the gym. It's going to help them to have a little bit of hope. Ultimately, I would love it if people who are struggling and looking for answers might hear this great message of hope found in Jesus Christ through the lyrics that that they, they would go, I see, I have hope because I'm not alone. God is listening. God knows how I'm suffering. He knows that I'm sad. He knows that life is really hard right now, and he's listening. That would be my ultimate hope for people. Awesome. Thank you so much for that message, and thank you, listeners, and thank you, John, for coming on. All right, everyone, that's going to be another episode of the Phantom Squad podcast. Would you like to say our outro? We always say enjoy the madness. Enjoy the madness. Thank you so much. Like I said, I highly enjoyed it, and I will, like I said, I hopefully in the future I can have you back on again. <laughs> I would love it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, brother. Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a good one. You as well. You are now leaving the Fandom Squad podcast. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.